0: This is not a recruitment podcast. Okay, so welcome back to another episode of... Powered by people, um, the podcast isn't about recruitment, but it's usually about recruitment. Um, so, I am joined by the uh, the wonderful Rex Rustin
1: and Ehab. Um, Ehab, introduce yourself. Okay, so first of all, thank you so much for having me today. So very well. I uh, my name is Ehab. Uh, I I lead the talent acquisition for uh, Deliverio in Europe. Uh, been in Berlin for five months now and uh, it's been quite a journey. So I, <laughs> yeah. my first time actually to uh, to live in Europe, uh, I had the chance to work in uh, Egypt where I'm originally born and raised. And then I moved to Dubai where I spent like kind of four or five years before moving to the States, uh, spent yeah. a time in, the, in New York and coming back to Dubai and now in in, uh, in Germany. So, uh, so yes, looking forward to when the next adventure will be. <laughs> <laughs> How does I mean you've worked you you've lived and worked in some incredible places?
0: How does Berlin compare?
1: Uh, well, actually, um, so far so good. Uh, super diverse. So, like again, the three cities where we uh, we lived most of our like kind of um, recent life yeah. is basically New York, Dubai, and Berlin. Yeah, very diverse. Yeah, uh, very. Uh, Like, again, everything that you say about, like, you know, D and I, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's there. Oh, that's amazing. Fantastic. Well, I guess London's next. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) We've got to add London to your list. I mean, like, again, I I used to go, like, before COVID, of course, like, again, every, every year, like, again, one conference or two. Uh, I I love the city. Though I was, like, again, been hit by a bus multiple times because I've been looking in a different (laughs) direction. (laughs) <laughs> so it took me some
0: time. The big the red ad the <laughs> red colour isn't isn't quite doing a lot. Uh, oh, no, no, no. um so we're gonna talk a little bit about um uh un- how we can understand the expectations uh on, on the TA function from the higher powers of the C Suite. Um
1: what's uh, what's your view on this, Ehab? Well, actually it's it's very interesting, and, and I think that um, one of the uh, competences that um, have been coming uh, over and over again, when you talk to HR professionals, generally not only in, in talent acquisition, is business acumen and just understanding the business, understanding the business of the business, you know, what they are expecting, what is really important for them, and how can we make sure that we are adding value. Um, to the business. So, um, in uh, in my like very recent role, uh, because of the growth trajectory that we're on, yeah. and because again, Europe is a new region within delivery year, so it is like kind of a year and three months kind of um, uh, old region. Um, so we we are growing significantly. So, uh, and again, TA plays a significant role when it comes to that. And what's on, like again, how can we? Uh, expedite the hiring of those critical resources who are helping with driving the agenda for the business so if you mm. think of it is basically you're bringing the ones who will be delivering on on the agenda yeah so um so really understanding this and having the spending the time in order to understand the expectations of the business what are you really expecting from me as an HR professional or as a ta professional um and 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 really taking it from there and like again making sure that you pulse check am I delivering my your expectations mm-hmm. or not. Is yeah. there anything else that we can do in order to help you and team deliver on the business agenda? Mm-hmm. Because um I always say that like HR is a service organization. Yeah. And if you have the service mentality and like again, I am delivering a service, internal service for our internal stakeholders, um, then mm-hmm. you you are really like kind of nailing it. So
2: that's actually so an interesting one. So when you're speaking to C-Suite yeah. about those topics, their big agendas, how frequently do you need to revisit that to make sure that the agenda
1: hasn't shifted? Um, um, well, actually, they're like again, um, in in my experience with them, they put their strat plan, like again, as a year done, they put it once, and then they have an annual operating plan. So once they have the annual operating plan, there it is a matter of that's how can we achieve this annual operating plan. Yeah. Um, so um, uh, and and it's all like kind of um, it, it's all about financials. Unless there is like a huge macro changes, mm-hmm. then you will come and um, like again change to this annual operating plan or come and adjust it, and then you look at what are those implications from a people perspective or from an HR perspective um on on that plan because um even our plans it needs to stem from the business strategy so what your business would like to to deliver on and accordingly what are the solutions that i need to deliver for you in order to be able to to deliver on the time yeah Yeah. exactly yeah so so it all starts with the business i don't see it like changing significantly unless definitely there are like you know huge like macros or like the pandemic for example that no one had a a playbook for or Or exactly So, so then things started to change, um, but but you will need to change immediately with them because you will need to adjust and adapt accordingly. So it's
2: a really interesting one, and it's a topic I I think I want to talk to more people about is where you just said about the fact that ultimately talent acquisition is is an internal service. And it's, I mm, I, would, I would love to know where you see the role of TA. Um, Becoming more of a partnership than a service, and is it mutually exclusive?
1: Well, well, actually, I I think for you, for us to deliver internet service, we need to be partners. Mm-hmm. So I don't see them like kind of it's either or. I see that it basically this partnership is enabling mm-hmm. me to deliver a service for and for the um like my internal stakeholders. So. Let, let me give you a very simple example. And just yesterday, I was talking with one of my team members. We have a process um, for that acquisition. If we are to start hiring new um, new individuals, we're expecting that the hiring manager will send me a job description. And I will take this job description, will post it, and so on and so forth. So hiring managers should draft for you the job description. So okay. we're like kind of debating that it, it took some time for us to get the job description for the hiring manager. And I said, that right. If I'm in a new place, what I will do is basically I will, if I didn't get the job description, untapped something and i send it to them say that, look, this is a job description that I put together. Review it and see if this is something that can actually work for you. Because at the end of yeah. the day, I would love to bring people through the door. And I don't want these like kind of, uh, you know, small obstacles or setbacks or just mm-hmm. like, again. Yeah. Um, um. So. So here... It is this element of partnership. Yeah. It is. And it's this partnership for me just to, like, again, deliver this kind of service to them at the end of the day, which is basically getting them the right talent. So, does that yeah. change if you've got 70 recs on them? Well, you yeah. know, like
0: we've, I've been in some projects or with some companies where, you know, each team, talent partner has got sort of 30, 40, 50 recs oh. on with seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12 different stakeholders oh, and everybody. managers and, and at, uh, at what point would you say you know is it it is the hiring manager's responsibility and accountability to drive the growth within their organo- their their business unit 100%. and so if you don't want to write up the job description that's fine let me know when you do, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll be happy to work with you. It's yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely in your corner,
1: but there it has to be a fine balance, and and I completely agree with you. And it is a matter of like again, this this again, the the and judgment as well. Yeah. yeah, it comes into play. Like sure. again, in in this case, this was a managing director of one of the markets. Yeah. So like, like yeah, exactly you know, you, you like again, and it is, it is new as well to the business. So that, like again he might not have the access to print his job description and <laughs> so on. So yeah. there are lots of, like, again, you, cool. you work, like, kind of your um, kind of um, um, own judgment, actually, to the situation. Um, and eventually, you will need to, to balance it out, as, as you correctly mentioned. Um, and, and the idea is that I would imagine if I did this with this, like, again, hiring magic, he will take this as I want an extra mile and then just like again would like next time we're working together probably he will like kind of um um, understand that this is not yeah for sure yeah because everyone's busy right I think for me when it comes
2: to like where the levels of partnering come in might even be a step before that so before the point that you get to receiving a requirement from a hiring manager especially with um you know buzzer buzzer flying around at the moment around operational efficiency yes um actually before we even go to the point that we're taking a job description um let's take a step back and as a partner rather than a service do you even need to make this higher have we looked at every option to move people from other teams promote internally um What's the business problem solving? How long is it going for? Have we explored referral networks to the full extent? Basically covering all ground before we actually even need to make another requisite requisition.
1: 100% and even like again, building on what you've mentioned, like where I see TA coming into play, it's not when that is a hire is required. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. The, when we sit together and do like the workforce plan. That's just recruitment, isn't yeah. it? You know, that's, that's just the recruitment. 100%. Yeah. But then you, when you do the workforce plan and when you complete your succession plan, and then you understand that you have those bench gaps and you will need to actually fill those strategic hires because, again, we don't have someone internally. And mm. the ones that we will need to bait it will take like, you know, quite um, some time. So you, you have this like, you know, buy, build, and borrow kind of oh, yeah. uh, um, strategy, then you need to get an understanding of the the, the buy yeah. of the succession plan. Mm. After performance reviews, you identify that there are some people that probably are not performing and will probably need to replace. Though You need to get, in, like again, uh, on top of that. Um, we are expanding, we're growing, we're going into a new market. So all of those discussions, tenant acquisition needs to be there because, again, look, you will need to proactively pipeline for that because you will need to look at, do I have the resources now? Do I need to dedicate resources? Do I need to actually prioritize with the business and saying that, look, I have a team of four people. Whether we do have extra resources or if not, we need to prioritize actually which shows we bring you the 80% yes. of the impact that you're looking for and then we deprioritize the 20% and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, so all those kind of discussions are the partnership that you are referring to, yeah. Before even we go into the topic of, now we agreed, let me deliver for you the
2: service. Yeah, and then the next is obviously everyone's hire, everyone, every hiring manager's roles are urgent. So I uh, feel, you know, yeah. so do they all understand how urgent everyone else's roles are and who's got priority, perhaps in a limited TA team? And um, in fact, one of one of the things I've enjoyed seeing in in environments is where. Um, all, like all of the different um, hiring managers are actually in uh, like a weekly 15-minute sync yes. where there's a massive list reviewed of the top priority roles for the TA teams and there's a bit of accountability, I guess, to sort of think about, you know, okay, who's whose priority roles are going to be a precedent for this month and next month. Um, but maybe that's more of an issue in sort of hypergrowth environments.
1: Well, actually the, the, there's always the moment that you can put a dollar sign mm-hmm. or a Euro sign yeah. next to the higher. priority Yeah, prior his, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah but that's the priority. And and basically this is, the, these are the discussions. And again, when, when you're talking about like, you know, talking about C-suite and, um, how can you like, you know, run the conversation with them. So what about financials? Yeah. So what about like, you know, top line and bottom line. So you know, um, the, the the recruitment if if I came and positioned my centers that well um, I need more resources because I would like to um, um, like again I would like to meet the hiring needs that you have I can say that but as well I can say that I need two more resources to help you hit your yeah. GMV or like your yeah. kind of um, revenue that you will need to have because it is taking X amount of time. Yeah. And every day that you're not having these resources, you are losing money. So once you speak their language, you will start to get their attention.
2: This is yeah. this is great. This really ties into a lot of the work that we do at the Red Hub with OKRs. Everyone buys in if they understand how your objectives
0: feed into their objectives. Um, we set, We basically said, I don't know how you work with OKRs, um, but uh, we, we work with them in the, in the capacity that we set company annual OKRs yeah, and then each quarter, each team will develop their own OKRs that are built towards achieving the company's annual OKRs. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it I... does, like Rex said, it really feeds, it makes everyone feel and, and creates that uh, unity to that we're all aiming towards the same thing and how you're, no matter how small your part, this working
1: on this part is, is driving the business in in the right direction yes absolutely so so this is actually what what we call it in in the library here, the ABCs so for the A's is basically our aspirations as an organization and those doesn't change um those are cutting across all the the company then you have the big bets which is basically what every function is doing in order to achieve those aspirations and then the you put, uh big big bets so this is what the, the big bets that's oh, what we and <laughs> <laughs> um. Awesome. <laughs> and then you go for um, like the uh, commitments. So what are the um, commitments that we will do in order to achieve those big bets? And then you mm. go into um, the aspirations. aspirations. So but how often are they reviewed? Uh, so aspirations doesn't change, okay? Uh, because those are derived from the um, strap plan that you have. Yeah. Um, then the commitments may change. Um, uh, sorry, the, the big bets um, may change from year to another, but not significantly, because, again, you, like, again, if I say that employer branding, for example, yeah. you know, I'm becoming an employer of choice, this is not a, a one-year or a 12-month kind of no, isn't. It's, it's like a fee. Exactly, yeah. yes. So, uh, so this is um, a PepsiCo kind of, uh, we used to call this a PepsiCo. Yeah, <laughs> big uh, people always get that mixed up.
2: It's supposed big, hairy, audacious goal. Yes. But over time, everyone just says big, hairy-ass goal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, this is the first time I've heard of it.
1: The big-ass yes. goal. <laughs> so, um, so, so, yes. but the commitments are basically, those are the annual things. That what are the annually, like, kind of projects or activities that you will do in order to achieve those big uh, pets. And the commitments then would be what Did you the smaller parts. So, for example, in Florida, or like again, you always say that I will need to build a strategy. I will need to build like you know yeah. an annual calendar. I will need to launch two campaigns. So yeah. that might be this
0: this quarter or or this the, over the next six months. These are my commitments towards exactly. achieving the big bat of becoming a yeah an employer of choice. Yeah. In i becoming an employer of choice would lead to the aspiration of. X, whatever yes. that might be. So so it could be
2: basically like your commitments are the same as our key results that would feed into our big bets that are our objectives. Yes. That hopefully feeds into for us, translating that to the Cup would be our, our B HAG of being the most trusted talent partner in Europe. Amazing. Which is yeah, a, maybe a less tangible aspiration that doesn't shift.
1: Um y- yes, but the 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 aspirations actually that we we have for example are the like and the, there are some of them are financial aspirations yeah okay so like again growth um revenue um mm-hmm. so ours is are are that's a vision yeah. that you're yeah. talking about yeah um
0: yes. so you're so yeah we don't actually we don't have aspiration longer to, longer than sort of a an annual we don't have aspirations we don't have <laughs> any actually... <laughs>
2: We're
0: just Uh, all right. We aim for nothing. We aim for nothing. (laughs) We have aspirations, I promise. (laughs) Um, But uh, we don't have like written down longer than a 12 month annual basis. We don't have like sort of aspirational goals. Mm. We have a vision uh, as our North Star and then we set our annual OKRs. But I actually really love that um yeah. what would you call that not an analogy what is it uh methodology abc uh well actually they just um uh, this um like you mean what would be... what it yeah, is abc it's a it's, it's an a acronym pro- yes yeah, like a process i guess uh, the, the I mean, abc goal setting process
1: um uh, yes um it it's basically uh, we we do this on an annual basis so this is basically the goal setting Process that we have. Okay. Um, so, as I mentioned, we pull from the like again, the business strategy, and then we start to grade down. And every function does the same. And, and to you, I value, the, the first point, which is basically every individual, no matter how small your role is. You see a connection with, like, again, what, what reason, you're like, doing. and the company's aspirations. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That, that whole NASA analogy of the
2: um, I can't remember. I think some president went to see NASA. Yeah, and they asked the they asked the um, caretaker uh, who was mopping up or something said, "So what do you do here?" And he, and he his response was, I'm, um, "I'm sending someone to the moon."
1: And mm-hmm. uh, basically, he understood how his role contributed to... His role contributed yeah. to putting people on the moon. Yeah, it's brilliant. Seth, and, and this, is, this is the beauty of, like, again, when organization can really communicate this to, like, you know, every single front line in the organization. Yeah, like, all the way from, like, again, we have the top management
0: mm. Brilliant. Um, you've worked at Johnson & Johnson, PepsiCo, Vodafone, now Delivery Hero. Um and you know, for the last 10, 12 years, I've been in uh, in sort of TA leadership. Um, what's what's been sort of a, a, either a common thread between because they're all, all relatively large organizations. Yeah. are there sort of common threads of of management traits that you looked at that you know p- other people listening uh, on the podcast can sort of take as a, as a as a as a takeaway, if you like, for what they can impact for their day to day.
1: Uh well actually um like again the delivery experience is is, is quite quite different. So like again, um and, and this is this is my first experience in, in a scale up and and the way that scale ups operate is very different than like well established MNCs like again that like so Vodafone and 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 PepsiCo and J N J. Um so in, in those organizations it's a matter of like kind of how can we get uh, the, the process implemented and adopted, and just like again, fast is anything six to 12 months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here, fast is just today, maximum tomorrow. It, wow. Uh, that, that, the... That's so funny that you would, would call Delivery Hero a scale up because.
2: When you live in startup land like we do, yeah, anyone over fifty people is, <laughs> is, is a mid-sized business, and, established and blue chip, and, <laughs> and, yeah. And the likes of sort of delivery hero, you know, like dare we even dream of that? The scale same. of enormity. Um, but yeah, I guess they're not a traditional massive
1: multinational.
2: That no, sort of, no, not like PepsiCo. Yeah, or J and J. Yeah,
1: yeah. The, though they are like kind of uh, and good ten billion dollar business. Mm-hmm. Yes, I you'd like get uh, a revenue perspective. But uh but but yeah so the um, I think that the thread that I would I would pull there is that if you would like to really impact the business, mm-hmm. is that the first the first thing is there's business acumen and just like this partnership mm-hmm. that you yeah and in order to understand those expectations, what do they really expect from you and every manager will expect something different. Everyone will have a different type of um priorities and agendas that they would like to deliver on and it is um about how we understand that and how can we align our uh, you know programs and projects in order to um, deliver on that um we, we've been chatting prior to the podcast and, and talking about like again um how we are like kind of um you know the we are acute to when you come into a new role into a new organization you think HR you think TA like again how I fix the process how I automate certain things and so on and so forth and and sometimes you get really um dragged into this or like kind of distracted with doing TA the way that you've done TA in other organizations and forgetting about like kind of what is really important for them or for this do. person exactly yeah His business for, for this, this yeah uh, for this team uh, organization mm. And, um, and again, uh, I remember, as I mentioned, one of, one of the managing directors I've been speaking to is that saying that Ehab, look, I'm an essentialist, so basically give me like, again, the, the few things that will bring the maximum impact, it just yeah. like, again, let's do more on less, which is, uh, <laughs> which is basically like, again, it, it, it gave me like kind of, it was an eye opener oh. Yes. So it's not, it's not about like again, what we think yeah. is right, mm. but what we can actually do that is really impactful for them. And every company has different objectives, like we've just talked
0: about, right? You know, you could have a huge organization like PepsiCo, and their objectives may be more around the candidate experience. And, you know, they've got lots of fund money, so they don't mind investing lots into making the, the candidate experience just the best it could possibly be. And then you may have a different organisation that, like you say, I, I need more with less. And and then actually, how do we create, you know, budget-friendly uh, pipelines to ensure that we're delivering on our hiring goals but without – and maybe candidate experience isn't top of the pile and, and actually that's not something that we're going to invest massively in because we just need bums on seats for now. An yes. And actually, you, you, you take – it's such a good such a good piece of advice because often when you move when you've been you've been developing yourself in in your career and you you're at one company you move to the next it's so easy to think that you sort of know you have sort of learned everything you can in that area and I'm going to go here and teach them how to do this and reorganize this but actually it's taking a minute to stop what are the priorities of this company and how
1: can I now impact doesn't matter what I did before yeah well actually um, I I would I would build on that. It matters, but again, how to like again utilize this in the context of the new organization that we're at. Yeah, how you can just like you know fine tune it and bring whatever is most valuable for this organization and make sure that you focus on that, so you bring the maximum impact and yeah. the level of partnership, and they understand that. Well, actually, they're not sitting in ivory tower and thinking of things while we are still like kind of very early stage. So, yeah. and, and even within like those big multinational organizations, um, like, again, one, one stat that I read that 50% of like the fortune 500 have decentralized talent acquisition functions. So really? yes. Yeah, so the idea is that maybe within even the same organization in different geographies or different, like again locations, you would find maybe mm-hmm. the priorities are different. So, um, yeah. so it is as well, like, again, it's not only from one company to another. Even within the same company, when you move from one role to another or from one geography to another, it could be different. So it's always good, even within the same organization, to step back. Yeah. And <laughs> what the hell is On such good advice,
0: yeah. 45% is that of FTSE 100 companies have decentralized TA. Yeah. 50%. Yeah. 50%. That's yeah. crazy. I'm not super surprised by that stat, but I, I can appreciate
2: that... You know, you go into a business because of your skill set. So you may think, well, I'm, they've got me in here to deliver what I know. But at the same time, you can't go in like a bull and china shop and break things with I <laughs> um, what I'm really, I'd love to know a bit more about your experience going from an M&C to a place like Delivery Hero. And if you sort of found that now you, you can recognize that anybody going the other way, to an C has got to be prepared for a change of pace because
1: absolutely yeah (laughs) yeah
2: because I think like you if if you think in different timelines bearing in mind I think the biggest company I've ever worked for had about 300 people Um, the the sort of goals of a company like PepsiCo or J&J they've been around for so long they're not necessarily sweating the small stuff where with a recession here or there because they're they're sort of like way of thinking is 50 years from now 100 years from now yeah where where are things going to be um and so your timeline for impact is instead of thinking like i need i need to have a huge impact in maybe the next 12 to 18 months it's going to be more like what what's my role going to look like here in the next five to ten years plus but what what's been your experience um you mean moving into the opposite direction yeah and your advice for anybody going from like a scale up to an M and C? Well,
1: uh, again, uh, expectation setting. So, and again, um, um, appreciate there is a difference. Uh, make sure that you are ready for that. It's either way. So, going okay. from MNC or to a scale up, um, the, there is. Um, I, I think one one. Uh, underutilized maybe a skill is just like networking skills <laughs> as yes. well within the organization. Mm-hmm. So um because when you go into an MNC, everything is like the someone asked the same question before. And there is probably a solution out there. Someone implemented like again a technology to address that somewhere else, even if you are decentralized. Yeah. So the the idea is that how can you find those information is just like by building your network within the organization and making sure that you talk to the right people and um, having, like, again, um, being like, again, um, you know, organization savvy, understanding how to get your things done through other people. Um, who might not necessarily like again have you on their agenda yet? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, uh, so this is definitely one. Those are like again um, because MNCs are huge organizations, so you will find like lots of specializations as well. Mm-hmm. So you will need to spend more time and more effort in knowing who is doing what for every single aspect versus in maybe smaller organization where people are doing multiple things or like, again, people taking ownership of things that might not be part of their um, official responsibility per se. But who has. Yeah, Yeah. exactly, and then they are running with with stuff. Um, Being comfortable Mm as well with, like, again, things may take longer Mm -hmm. because, again, there is, like, you know... Governance again, there's state governance, but governance is a little bit different. You might find that you need to talk to someone in globally to like get this approved uh, or yeah, exactly. this signed off. And 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 the thing is that um, I think PepsiCo did something very good uh, back in two thousand and eighteen with NCA. Uh, where actually they, they started to pull the resources from the international markets, putting them into the global COE in the, the U S mm. and the reason why, because prior to that, sometimes we've put, or like to develop solutions globally, and then you start to roll them out in the markets, but they, they don't speak to the market needs and they yeah. are not like kind of locally relevant. And that's why they started to pull resources from the market to make sure that during this like kind of process. Even if it's, like, not co-creation, there are someone who understand those nuances and can bring the voice of the markets into into the discussion. So um, so this is something else that hmm. people need to, like, do more often, where, which is basically making sure that their voices are being heard, even if there are no forums, official forums for that. Yeah, so how can you, like, again, building this network and based on, like, this network, you can actually voice... What my needs in my own market. So, if you think of a global product or a, a global tool that is being implemented, and I'm Finland or I'm Sweden, yeah. I'm like one of 170 countries where the organization is operating at PepsiCo, how can I get a share in mind and heart that, again, I get my needs, so the final product that comes is, is speaking to me. Again, there will always be things that streamline across, yeah, but there will be areas as well that uh, can be adapted, and this is where I have like the opportunity. that makes sense, that's, that's
0: amazing advice. And and I was speaking to we actually had a guy Lewis uh, from from Microsoft on the podcast, and uh, in speaking to him, we a lot of the companies we deal with are are more startup and scale up and which, which means typically smaller TA teams or recruitment teams or people teams and so a lot of the networking is done outside of the organization um because you want to you know part of networking is about improving yourself increasing your knowledge uh I, you know identifying core innovations and things like that right um and, and just basically boosting your career uh, your career so Talking to Lewis, actually, there was over a thousand people in TA in Microsoft. Yes, and when we were talking about networking events and things like that, he said you barely have time to do anything externally yeah. because you have to invest. Similarly to as you're you're suggesting, you have to invest your time into networking internally to make sure that you're being heard, your voice is is being heard, and to, you know to for for your own. Uh, personal development uh, wow. and, and all those types of things. So yeah, it's really interesting to, to see the change, um, particularly going from startup scale ups into more of the M C yes. world about uh, how you can you can look at that networking piece. And and I I
1: would always say just like again, um, it's all about personal preferences and ways of working that are people are comfortable with as well. Because yeah, because some some people are. Like, again, no, I would, like, a fast-paced organization where, like, again, I'm I um I'm included in all the conversations. I'm, like, again, I'm trying, I'm experimenting on a daily basis, you know, failing fast, failing forward. Yeah. So, yeah. so, despite the fact that all the MNCs, like, don't get me wrong, they have those, like, kind of mindsets, which is basically failing fast and failing forward, but failing fast takes... Six months, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you get a luxury.
0: That's a luxury that an MNC provide, isn't it? It's you, you know, you can try things, uh, and it, and if it doesn't work out this year, that's fine. We'll have another go next year. Um, but but
1: but but again, it is. It's it's because of the size. Yeah. If you are reflecting on this, if you are an individual who would like to move fast with things. MNCs will not work for you, no, because exactly. again you will you will not be happy. You're going to end up frustrated. Yeah, exactly. Why <laughs> it's taking i And late. actually, well, that's super fast. <laughs> well, yeah. So, um, so yes, and and on the other hand, if you are super structured, if you are like kind of super specialized, if you would like to get like again everything is in place and it it's just like a well-oiled machine and it's just like running clear. And, 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 yes. Then, like, again, scale ups and stuff, up not for you because, because then, like, again, I moved from, um, like, again, we have applicant tracking systems, of course, um, now, but like, again, there are lots of things that we are, like, again, foundations that we're still building, yeah, that in yeah. other organizations, they just like, again, they've done this already, like, 10 years, sure. <laughs> so, um. Uh, And because of the fact of that, we are like, again, as a business in Europe, we have been like very decentralized as well. And then we just now trying to leverage synergies and acting as one and so on. So lots of those opportunities we're starting to look at now. And part of it is like, again, business is looking at profitability as well. So how can the business like, you know, um, hits profitability this this year. and, um, And that's why all the different organizations are working on how can we be more efficient, more resilient, more like, again, um, um doing like, again, more on less and supporting mm. the organization to really yeah uh, deliver on this aspect. That can
2: be one of the benefits of where you've got uh, like obviously multiple brands mm. and you are decentralized. So you could, you, you, hopefully with that level of separation, it's easier to like leverage each other's strengths and actually find areas of efficiency yes. uh, amongst each other. I mean, so you can almost like see isolated examples of where things have been given um, like a chance to develop and you can find out if it works and yes. try it out in different places.
0: No, I just want to take it back. You talked a little bit earlier about um, really? workforce planning. Yes. I find that the, with throughout my conversations with TA leaders, uh, this is a really tough, tough thing to get right workforce planning as a, as a whole um whether it's the tooling that you're using whether it's not understanding the business hasn't formally you know uh, given you proper budget um what, what have you got any tips and tricks around how to formulate good workforce plans or what what people can be doing to to ensure that they've done everything
1: in their power yeah to, to create a good workforce plan so um like like again, I, I think one of the areas where like the HR needs to really develop on is just like the usage of data and analytics and yeah So because again you have you have attrition data, you have um you have business plans. So you understand like again how the business is growing. Yeah. Believe me or not, business knows exactly how many people that they would like to hire throughout the year. Yeah. It is a matter of just making sure that you get those data and this input as yes. you ensure that you work with them and it is back to the partnership. Yeah. So, and giving them an understanding that when you share this information with me, like again. Even if it's not like 100% accurate, it's just like, even if it's 80% accurate, it's better than nothing. Yes. Yeah. So so then um, when they understand that the value of me getting access to this data and understanding, like working proactively together on prioritizing mm-hmm. roles and so on and, and speed to hire, and you know what we call it, zero day hiring, which is basically you have already done everything before, like, you know, the budget of this role yeah. hits. And then you have already a, a candidate lined up for, for the position. So all of, all of those like kind of conversations and partnerships can actually help you with the workforce plan, but then you need to add on top of that, like, you know, historical data to understand, yeah. like again, um, um, attrition and how much of that we are going to replace and all the good conversations as well on succession planning. So it's more of taking all those data points from those different like kind of exercises yep. and then try to formulate something and then. Maybe even if if you um, uh, if you don't have this as a tool, you put those data together. You go to the business saying that our assumption is that it does look like this. Yeah, is this accurate or not? And then you start to fine tune and refine. And um, and HR business partners play um, like again a very a very big role with that as well. And then when when you've been um, highlighting at the beginning is that in, in terms of the partnership. And how can we need actually to challenge whether we need this role or not? Mm-hmm. I would I would imagine in a mature HR organization where you have dedicated HR business partners, this is their role. So their role actually, while they are like you know agreeing with the budgets for the the headcount that are we going to have, they need to do this like kind of challenge in order to make sure that the final outcome that comes to TA is the final is the, the, the- final. Is possible. Exactly, and this is what we will need to work on. And and then what what TA does, um, like, again, I work, for example, with finance and I work with the leadership team on, like, again, what is our headcount, what it is our uh, current headcount, what is our budgeted headcount, where the gap is, how many vacancies do we have, when the people are expected to come. Mm. Because, again, then you... Um, now there's a financial kind of aspect that comes into play. What's the point,
2: the... That... HR business partners have been through all of that. And we have a defined idea of headcount, et cetera. Do you think there's space in some organizations for a role called a talent acquisition business partner, potentially filling that gap between defining, working on them on the cadence of hiring, um, where it's going to happen in the year, locations where perhaps it's going to be easier to hire better talent, that's going to take budget into account, possible strategies around using, um, external sources, things like that, which is maybe separated from, uh, like talent acquisition manager.
1: Well, well, actually I, I always say that, um, a business partner is not just the HR business partner, everyone mm-hmm. is a business partner. So even when I was in my team, mm-hmm. um, they need to run this conversation so when for example we are having so we agreed like on the workforce plan so me myself for example and my team are involved in the discussion once we have the workforce plan finalized with the budget and how many people that we need to hire on a monthly basis yeah per function per level and everything yeah Yeah. but then once we start like kind of the conversation on hiring itself we start to um, discuss, like again, what is the location strategy for this role? Um, like again, and and this location strategy needs to be linked to the talent pool that we're looking for, and what is the skill set, and so on. So it is really a dialogue that we run with the, with the hiring managers, bringing with with us data and insights. So we're saying that where you would like to hire, in for example, in 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 Austria then, uh, but like this talent pool doesn't exist in Austria, for example, or is very limited in Austria. So then probably we need to look at the German speaking countries. So maybe like, again, we expand the the, the search into people in Germany, but this means that we need to have a relocation um, support provided. So, So all of this is a dialogue, but you cannot really, and again, I'll go back to the data and insights. You cannot really have this informed conversation if you're not bringing the right labor market insights yeah and you're just like uh, again what gartner used to say is that an order taker just like again go hire for me Mm -hmm. um someone in in austria like again with this with this background and you can just run with it without having like kind of this this important dialogue i would say
2: yeah you need you need the data to be able to back up your point as to you know why, for example, we're we're going to have much better chances of success if we if we focus these roles in this location. Yeah, you can't just rely on empirical experience. You
1: you need to be able to say absolutely why. Well, well, actually, it's it's not only to to back up my my point. I think to to even make my point. Yeah, <laughs> oh,
0: that's it. Yeah,
1: to formulate the point.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, Ihab, we uh, as a closing tradition. <laughs> <laughs> literally, how Stephen Volus uh, says it. Um, as a closing tradition, are we, are we gonna get a cease and desist letter? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you've ever watched the diary of a CEO podcast. No, uh, it's a good one. You should check it out. okay. <laughs> um, but they do this, they do something similar to this uh, on 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 their podcast. Um, so as a closing tradition, um we ask our previous guests to write a, a random question for our next guest. Um, Jaime Fernandez uh, was our last guest from uh, Love Honey Group. And his question to you, Ehab, is what is more important, performance or results? That's, uh, that's a difficult one, I think, because there's, uh, I mean, you've got, is it without performance, do you get results <laughs> or are they aligned? I don't know. What's your thoughts? Uh
1: well, actually, I I think that they are like kind of results is, is a byproduct for performance if you are performing on the right priorities. Mm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the idea is that is uh, and and here just like I need to differentiate between effort and perf- like effort putting effort being busy and really performance as in like kind of performing. Yeah, because um, in many instances, you can find like an organization very basically or like they don't have time. They are like running around, but they are not like, again, they they're not performing. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I, I think that they are, they are really linked so if you are put putting the right objectives and the right goals and you're focusing your performance on those goals eventually you will meet the results that you... Will... I think that's that's the key there is that making
0: sure that the right objectives are in place and the yeah. right goals are in place. We During our podcast with Jaime, we we're talking about the link between or the difference between do we focus on inputs or outputs? So, you know, if we're looking at it from a specifically hiring perspective, you need to make 10 hires this month. Yes. Or is it you need to focus on making uh, 20 screens this month um and which one is going to be potentially driving we, what you know uh, the the uh, i suppose the question is linking the 20 screens being performance and the hires being results and and you know different people are going to be diff- doing different things right so one recruiter may be able to make 10 hires from 10, 10 screens and yeah another 100 screens and one hire
1: um and and and, and, and here is just like uh again whom am I screening? Mm, you so know, know, am I screening the right people or not? And that, cool. that's that's the the idea is that how can you make sure that whatever you're performing is really like again you are you are performing in the right direction because yes. again uh, as as they call it if you don't have like again a vision or you don't have like, you know, specific direction, you yep. can go anywhere. Wondering be yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, but but in terms of like again this I, I would love to maybe um, like take something that that our our new CEO actually mentioned, which is I really liked um it, it's not necessarily like you know the performance and the results, but again on the the planning and execution and and mm-hmm. there, there are a, a little bit kind of um close to to what you are referring to because what we are used to seeing like especially in big organizations you say like let's plan let's like again have our plan understand what are we going to do the actions then you and execute and then you um review the learnings and the outcomes and then you go back to like again refine your plan and then you execute yeah his actually um his his input which is i found very valid is the planning and execution are parallel so you're executing while you're planning and then it just like kind of they're feeding into each other as as you move so um so if you're performing you just not like again you you don't do a performance for the whole year and then you realize oops i i missed Mm -hmm. the results yeah Yeah, no actually you're performing and you're assessing am i getting the right results or not and then you like again rectify your performance if needed and then you see are you getting the right results or not so it is basically that they go hand in hand they go in like parallel a, yeah because um like again you shouldn't wait for 20 screens to realize that none of them is good <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you're absolutely right i think i think that's for me that's part
2: of performance so performance is part planning and execution is a part of performance so for yeah. me i always have felt that like I would firmly say performance is more important than results because performance is what you can impact. Performance is yeah. Performance is is um all of these things tied in. They they equal performance for me. And um it's that I'm I'm really trying hard not to avoid a sports cliche. <laughs> um, the sports analogy cliche. But I just think I probably won't get it. It's that whole thing of like if you are doing everything right optimally
1: you don't need to look at the scoreboard the score takes care of itself um well actually i i would i would maybe disagree because again you see lots of we'll see champions league actually late late today (laughs) but but again you find teams that they are not performing at all and then at the end of the game they get like you know one header goal you win. and they win yeah and it, it just like uh, uh, so, so the, the idea is that in 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 like an ideal world your performance needs to lead to like you know the scoreboard yeah sometimes it doesn't and yeah. and this means that there's something wrong that yeah. needs to be like kind of realigned. yeah and and the idea is that this real time realignment and that's why actually i think organizations are moving into like you know the ongoing performance management rather than like an annual performance management yeah. process mm. because again they think is that it's it's now it's more real time give feedback adjust performance to ensure that eventually you realize the results that you would like to to realize so yeah um so i don't know that that's that yeah. just like again my my, my two cents no, like again amazing great
0: And we will obviously ask you to write a question for our next again. uh, Make it difficult. Yes, (laughs) make it very difficult. Um, Thanks ever so much for for joining and listening along to the Powered by People podcast. Thanks, Ehab, for joining us. um, And we'll catch you next time. Thank you.
2: The rise of talent acquisition and had the same experience like you. Um, People said, you know, if you want to make a career in HR and you start with recruiting, you do this a year or two and then you know, move in a proper role. Like yeah. The real
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, get a real job. Get a real <laughs> job. Yeah.
2: So.